irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Mr. Beef, meet the dodo bird. Raw dog food, meet the FDA. Baylor's College of Medicine is a chamber of horrors. These are just a few of the topics we will be covering today. Hello, I'm William Mayoff. And I am still Nancy DeFabio. Welcome to Animal News Magazine. This is a live radio show about animals. Topics range from animals in science, to animals in entertainment, to animals in religion, to animals in agriculture. Animals play an important role in our daily lives as individuals and as a society. So this show is about increasing our knowledge and our understanding of the animal world. And from that information, you can draw your own conclusions. Our guest today is A.J. Albrecht. She's from Mercy for Animals, and we'll be talking about ag-gag laws in the United States. But before we start, a grasshopper walks into a bar, and the bartender says, Hey, we have a drink named after you. The grasshopper looks surprised and asks, You have a drink named Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Nancy, you're missing your calling, man. Why, well, stand the comedy comedian or stuff. you got to go to the lap factory, comedy store, whatever it is. That, that's very funny. Uh, yeah, let's shift it now to the focus beef and the dairy industry and death spiral. Uh, the beef and dairy industries are on a path to collapse by 2030, according to an extensive 76-page report by independent think tank Rethink X titled The Second Domestication of Plants and Animals, The Disruption of the Cow and Collapse of Industrial Livestock Farming. The think tank states that the new developing technologies in cellular agriculture and precision fermentation are rapidly going to replace the way protein is produced, ultimately eliminating the need for traditional animal agriculture. Instead, a food is software system will soon be in place, which will be 100 times more land efficient, 10 to 25 times more feedstock efficient, 20 times more time efficient, and 10 times more water efficient, all while producing significantly significantly less waste. According to the report, as these technologies continue to develop, the animal-free products they create will become increasingly cheaper eventually approaching the cost of sugar. Which is pretty cheap. (laughs) That's why it's in everything. I didn't know that. Uh, Rethink X estimates that by 2030, the number of cows in the U.S. will decrease by 50%, and both the beef and dairy industries will be all but bankrupt, with similar predictions for other animal-derived products, such as other animal meat, eggs, leather, and collagen. Wow. Wow. What's going to happen to those people who use collagen for their wrinkles? They're so going to have to figure it out. Why the diminution in, in the population of, uh, of uh, cows? Well, because they they won't be... Uh, they won't be needed because we'll be able to... to they won't be producing more cows. They won't be fertilizing more cows. We don't need them as the raw resource so that we can, so we can get the supplies of our materials elsewhere, correct? Yeah, that's what they say. That's what this report says. Oh, okay. Well, uh, less animals to torture and to keep constantly pregnant, lactating, and all Correct. that other jazz. All that stuff. producing eggs and Cor- all the torture. Well, I mean, this is just cows, not right. chickens. Well, I'm thinking of chickens. I was traumatized by our last shows <laughs> with the chickens. <laughs> yeah. And the chickens being constantly pregnant and all the stuff. It's very traumatic. The report states, still getting you know, therapy for that. The report states, quote, the beef and especially dairy industries operate on extremely thin margins with high operating and financial leverage and are supported by government subsidies. That's right. Our tax dollars going to support these, uh, these, uh, the beef industry. Both are hanging in the balance and just a small drop in demand will send them spiraling towards bankruptcy. By 2035, 60% of land in the U.S. used for animal agriculture, including feed production, 
which equals to about 485 million acres, or 13 times the size of Iowa, will be free for other uses. According to the report, product after product that we extract from the cow will be replaced by superior, cheaper, modern alternatives, triggering a death spiral in the beef and dairy industries. Hooray. I have a hard time believing that. I mean, I really do. I, I just, I don't know. I have some faith in mankind, but not a lot. But you don't think the decline will be that sharp? And, uh, There's a decline, you know. We see all these burgers, all these veggie burgers. Even McDonald's, which for the longest time was just holding out there. No, there's no way, no how. Actually, a long time ago, um, I was working for a um, uh, private um, security company known internationally, and the CEO was on the board of McDonald's. And I asked him, I asked him, I said, so why aren't you guys, this was a long time ago, why aren't you guys, uh, they were fighting with PETA, there were lawsuits, uh, why don't you guys just serve a veggie burger, you know, make one available. And he said, well, he, he gave me this textbook, cookie cutter explanation that it wasn't financially viable. It was not true. It was just all a lie. It just, they, it wasn't in their philosophy, but now they're coming around. And what I'm trying to say is that this this story might be somewhat true, but I don't think that we're going that by twenty thirty, you know, will the beef and dairy industry will be in a total death spiral, yeah, maybe part it, death spiral. It's not. A, it won't be as dramatic as they're suggesting. No, no. But you know, on that note of trends changing and maybe lower demand on on cows, uh, I am uh, cookied into uh, all these Beyond Burger uh, stories yeah. and all these Impossible Burger stories, and now Costco, Costco. It's around the world, and I know it's in Canada and the U.S. They're announcing their own veggie burger. They sent me a picture on my phone. Look very appetizing. It's D D E E something Farms. Okay, and yeah, they, I know. There was some reason. Yes, Dale had a, a Dale had a theory that. Uh, what was your theory, Dale? He's he's hovering I, around busy, me now. I'm busy producing at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> he'll chime in, <laughs> chime in later. But listen, the, the previous ask me what happened at the previous veggie burger at Costco. What happened? I don't know. I don't, it had some something in there, like uh, foreign something or other. Like, like either salmonella, listeria, No, no, no. It didn't have anything deadly and horrible, horrific like salmon. It had like pieces of glass or something in there. <laughs> that was <laughs> the still previous. Mentioned, still still veggie-based. Well, that, not plant-based, but. Keep uh, your teeth sharp and clean. <laughs> but that was the previous veggie burger. So this one is going to be a new improved veggie burger. Okay. You guys can all Google news this okay. here Costco. Well, I don't go to Costco. That store scares me. Well, it's this, too big and too large and it's like yeah, it's very for, scary for, for me them to go there. To care about this is an advancement. It's very good. Okay. Uh shifting? Shifting. Shifting here's the FDA cautions pet owners not to feed performance dog raw pet food due to salmonella, listeria and monocytogenes. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, otherwise known as the FDA, is cautioning pet owners not to feed their pets any performance dog frozen raw pet food after a sample tested positive for salmonella and listeria. The raw pet food is manufactured by Bravo Packing, Inc. Now, you have to tell the list of what performance dog food is. It's okay. a raw dog food. I think you find it in the freezer section. But who's performing? I think this is for athletic dogs, right? It's just a game. It's branding. It's a name to give the dog But food. who's I performing? This is for high-performing no, dogs who want to be muscular. Dog. No, no, right? no, no. I don't All know. right. I thought it was performing animals. No, no, no. All right. So if you have any performance dog product that you purchased after July 22, 2019, dispose of it. Throw it away. Throw it away. This is the second time Bravo Packing, Inc. product has tested positive for pathogen contamination. In September 2018, Bravo Packing, Inc. recalled all performance dog frozen raw pet food due to salmonella. Also, during a 2016 inspection, the FDA collected samples of Bravo Packing, Inc. horse meat chunk animal food that tested positive for drugs, pentobarbital, Oh and fenny, you know, I got to just study how to pronounce these words here. Fenitoin. Fentoin. Fenitoin. If you have a product, stop feeding it to your pets and throw it away in a secure container where other animals, other animals, even raccoons and skunks and all those right, critters, wildlife, yeah. wildlife, including wild, cannot access it. 
Consumers who have had this product in their homes should clean refrigerators, freezers, where the product was stored and clean and disinfect all bowls, utensils, food prep surfaces, pet bedding, toys, floors, and any other surfaces that the food or pet may have had contact with. Because animals can shed the bacteria in the feces. Yes, in the feces, when they have bowel movements. It's particularly important to clean up the animal feces in yards or parks where people or other animals may become exposed. According to the CDC, that's the Center for Disease Control, people infected with salmonella can develop diarrhea. Yes, diarrhea, fever, abdominal cramps. Most people recover without treatment, but in some, in some people, the diarrhea may be so severe that they need to be hospitalized. It's a good thing we bring all the consumers up to speed and up to date, and we have to say diarrhea many times and you know fe- fecal material. So like this, you know. We're, well, we're, those are the symptoms. What do you? Hey, we got our fingers on the pulse here. Yes, the, we the, do. The developments here. Pets do not always display symptoms when infected with salmonella, but signs can include vomiting, diarrhea, <laughs> which may be bloody. How about that for an image? Wow, Fever. Heavy duty. Heavy duty and heavy duty to duty. Fever, loss of appetite, and or decreased activity level. Ladies and gentlemen, we might inject some humor, but it's a serious thing. It so, is. So, so take precautions here, okay? You can die. Take precautions. If your pet has these symptoms, consult a veterinarian promptly. According to the CDC, listeriosis in humans can cause a variety of symptoms. Symptoms can include headache, stiff neck, confusion, loss of balance, and convulsions, in addition to fever and muscle aches. Apparently no diarrhea in humans. No. That's for, for listeria. That's for listeria. For pets, symptoms may include mild to severe diarrhea, anorexia, fever, nervous, muscular and respiratory signs, abortion, depression, shock, and death. Pets can get sick from salmonella and listeria and pass it on to their human companions without appearing to be ill. That spooks me. Yeah, so yeah, don't buy performance uh, pet food and don't buy anything from Bravo Packaging because they've made these mistakes before. But I just want to say the American American Veterinary Medical Association, they actually took a formal position and they oppose uh, raw foods. Uh, I'm I'm actually quoting their policy here. The AVMA discourages the feeding for to cats and dogs of any animal source protein that has not first been subjected to a process to eliminate pathogens because of the risk of illness to cats and dogs as well as humans. So, so it should I, be processed or cooked, correct? Cooked, yeah, or yeah. Don't 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 give them raw food. So it's too I, scary. If the house cats go outside and they catch a mouse, do they and they start eating it? Are they endangered? They are endangered. They did you for who knows what? Where's that mouse been? But yeah. you, you you would think that nature takes care of that if they catch mice or rats well, in the wild. Well, the rabies and listeria yeah. and salmonella is also part of nature. You know. So, so <laughs> yes, Nancy, and we are animals in news magazine. Nancy is, and we're always on top of current events. So let me deviate, Nancy. This is unannounced. This will catch you off guard okay but since we're animal sensitive uh here in california southern california orange county has had an unusual uh, spate of uh bats uh, rabid bats in fact in fact they caught four of them already in the span of a month or two and they usually don't catch that many bats that are rabid oh my okay and this made the news here and you got be careful you know don't befriend the bats and start petting them put them in a cage because if the bat bites you and you're not always aware, this is true. Okay. Uh, rabies is a very serious uh, disease and it's a m- fatal. There's a country, I don't know if it's Australia, New Zealand, somewhere they have bats and bats are dying by the dozens and they don't know why. They're just dying. Maybe they, they're dying from rabies. Who I don't knows? Know. Even though it's the other side of the planet. But. but if you have bat stories, and I don't mean the Batman movies and Batwoman, it's. Yeah, if you have bat Joker. stories, uh, give us a call or at. Um, Three two three two zero three zero eight one five, or you can email us at nancy at animallawlawyer.com. We're here every Sunday live at 2 p.m. Pacific time, and we uh, if you can't uh, listen to us live, you can download the uh, audio from uh, latalkradio.com. And we have someone to man the phone, so if you have some knowledge to assist us, you may well be a part of our podcast here and, uh, and on demand. 
and capabilities. Right. So uh, you, you might live into radio uh, immortality here if you can yeah. help us with uh, going beyond some of our stories, the Correct. bad stories and so forth. Very true. Uh, anyways, uh, federal documents obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request reveal an abundance of animal welfare violations at Baylor's College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. Just one year's worth of reports submitted to BCM of the National Institute of Health document 41 incidents in which it violated animal welfare provisions. It's horrible. It's horrendous. 41. I mean, four would be bad, but 41, it's just unbelievable. So this is Baylor College of Medicine, yeah. the culprit, right? Mm-hmm. These reports show that the attending veterinarian, Rebecca Schweinbert, and her staff repeatedly failed to properly care for these animals. Numerous mice subjected to experimental surgeries were left to suffer and die without being given analgesics in accordance with protocol or were given expired analgesics. Reports show that BCM staff amputated the toes of baby and adult mice without permission or anesthetics. In one case, experimenters opened mice's skulls and failed to administer adequate pain relief following the surgery. In another incident, this is disgusting. I can't even bear this to... This is... Um, it's terrible. It, I have no words. No excuse for that. Uh, and anyways, in another incident, an anesthetized a mouse who was undergoing invasive surgery started to regain consciousness because the nose cone delivering inhalant anesthetics hadn't been lit- fitted properly. One report detailed that experimenters didn't even use sterile techniques while performing surgery on mice and piglets. And two rabbits died as a result of complication caused by improper setup of the anesthetic machine. Three mice used in a tumor study weren't provided with proper monitoring, which would have required that they be euthanized before enduring extreme agony. BCM President Paul Klotman has been asked by animal welfare organizations to remove the attending veterinarian Rebecca Schweinbert from her position. They've also asked for the replacement of BCM's Institutional Animal Care and Use Committee members. So, Nancy, what happens if one of our listeners says, well, you know, what a sterile, uh, sterilized uh, equipment and all that? These are experimental mice. The, you know, it's, it, it's, it's unconscionable to harm these innocent animals. But you're going to have people argue, but in the interest of medicine for the betterment of mankind... We have to test these animals, but why sterilize the instruments if they're going to kill these animals, squish them and squash them? The mice, why sterilize the instruments? If one of our listeners scratches their head and thinks about that, what are we sterilizing instruments for if we're going to squish them out? What say you? What say you in, 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 you know, in the, you know, internet radio land uh, out there, you know, uh, certainly we, uh. You know, I, I don't know. If they intend to keep the animal for future testing, uh, they shouldn't be subjected to, uh, you know, unnecessary uh, risks and agony. And maybe that's a reason they want to sterilize the instrument. It's an issue that surfaced, so it's worthy of consideration. Um, and, and to unduly make them suffer while you're uh, testing for the betterment of uh, mankind and health. I think most people, even if they say, yeah, we need to test on these animals for medical purposes, whatever... I still, I still think that most people say, well, at least can you follow protocol? Can you at least give them the, the analgesics that they deserve, or the, the just you know put them, make put them to you know like when you so, get it, so, when you get when you get go through surgery, you're not so you're not for awake. the noble purpose of trying to test, or testing on some of these mice and these animals, to to for the betterment of uh, mankind, so man can survive and not suffer. We can understand the benefit of that, but if you're going to test on these critters. We'll make, make sure make it that as humane as possible. Reduce their suffering as right. much as possible. Make it to, as humane you know, as possible. Reduce their suffering to the greatest extent that you can. But the other co- co-relative theme here, you know, make it as humane for the better mankind. You get an argument to test on animals for medicinal reasons. But what about this, Nancy? Why are we sterilizing instruments if, if, if you know, we may not uh, keep these uh, mice and critters alive? Why do we care about? I don't think we're doing it for their benefit. I'm doing it to for, for that they're doing it to maintain. I think to preserve the integrity of the experiment. Oh, interesting. I think that's why they're doing it. Huh? They're not doing it. They don't for contamination of for a, contamination. Okay. No. All right. Okay. 
Whole Foods? This is for our Canadian listeners now, and we do have a few. Oh, and by the way, speaking of Canada, um, so we're going to be, there's an animal law conference at Schulich School of Law. Uh, starting next Thursday, I think, start, I don't know if next Thursday is October 4th, uh, or I think it starts October 4th. In any event, William and I, and actually our producer, uh, one of our producers will be there at the conference next Saturday, next Friday and Saturday. I will be wearing my T-shirt. So if any of you uh, recognize the show, please come and say hello to me. Uh, I don't know what you look like, but uh, you'll recognize this T-shirt and you'll know that I am Nancy DeFabio, and I'll probably be with William if he doesn't get on my nerves. Right. And I'll go incognito will... if I'll get on your nerves. But we <laughs> might be broadcasting from there. We'll see if we could set up. Uh, we'll see if we can do something the, the... like that. It was a last-minute thing. Right. But we'll see if we could. So please come and say hello to us at the Animal Law Conference if you're in Halifax, Canada. Right. And so... there might be some heads of government and state in attendance as well because there's a Canadian election around the corner. So, you you know, you can mingle and uh, yeah. assist in the promotion of animal welfare and safety and meet some of the uh, the uh, the goofball politicians. No, we're there. important enough. We don't need to... Right. But we don't need our politicians to, I, to, 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 to contaminate uh, but a they, conference. They, they may use such opportunities to say they care about animals. So we'll see. So you Actually, could, some do. Yeah. We, 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 were we talking last weekend about... Uh, the, some care. It, that, about the new law regarding your testing on on uh, cosmetics testing. Well, you know what? I heard a rumor that that Justin Trudeau might show up in blackface. So at this conference, yeah. so we'll see okay. what happens. He might. He's done it yeah, often yeah. enough. Okay, let's go. Let's let's talk about Whole Foods. Well, okay. Whole Foods Market launches vegan holiday menu in Canada. Supermarket chain Whole Foods Market recently introduced new vegan holiday meals across its Canadian locations in time for the country's Thanksgiving holiday on October 14th, just a couple weeks from now. In Ontario, the holiday menu was developed by New York-based vegan chef and cookbook author Jeanne Cleborne and will will include rather southern-style dishes such as a mushroom étouffée, Braised collard uh, greens with tomatoes, spicy cornbread dressing, black-eyed pea fritters, mashed potatoes, pumpkin curry soup, and pumpkin pie. I like that. that. That's cool. In British Columbia, Whole Foods offers a different vegan meal for four, which features a ready-to-eat vegan sausage and hazelnut roast wrapped in flaky puff pastry, green beans with shallots, wild rice stuffing with pearl onions and cranberries, Baked winter squash, olive oil, smashed potatoes, mushroom gravy, mouth-watering, and classic cranberry sauce. The dishes and full meals can be ordered online now through October 12th. Kudos to Whole Foods and their promotion of some vegan events for Canadian Thanksgiving. Yes, definitely. That definitely deserves an applause. Even though it's probably just Ontario and British Columbia, I don't know if any other province is having that. But still, it's a good thing. We got to start somewhere. And please, Nancy, don't don't talk through the applause. Okay, we need the applause. Okay. Don't talk through the applause. Um, okay, I really want to. There's there's two things I want to cover. Uh, first of all, I need to finish the story about chick culling because I've been on it for a month now, and we're talking about egg production and how the male uh, chicks are put through a grinder or they're suffocated with gas because they're not going to be laying any eggs, or they have their head cut off or they're electrocuted. Um, So the United Egg Producers uh, has stated that it is committed to eliminate culling, okay, by the year 2020, which is next year. And this is, um, I don't need eggs basically for that because they put these boy chicks in grinders or they gas them or they decapitate them as soon as they're born. That to me is the definition of barbaric uh and the, even the best eggs even the you know they do that so they've said the the united egg producers the uep uh, said that um the, the they're trying to eliminate this culling by 2020 the gender of the chicks can be one or two days old prior to they're, they're going to determine what the gender of the chick is one or two days prior to being hatched so one or two days before the chick is hatched they'll know if it's a boy or a girl and um and then they can um, 
by using uh, in ovo sex detection, they uh, can abort the egg before the chick is hatched. Can you explain to me something to the process here? So they will kill the male. Does it serve any function before they execute the male chick, the male chicken? No, the, the chick won't be born. They're going to see one or two no, days before, and then they're going to pierce the egg or whatever they do, and the chick won't be born. But I don't know if it's there's a viable chick in there still. I mean, I don't know how eggs work, but uh, one or two days before they're hatched, I would think that there's a little chick in there that kind you of know, exists. I don't but I'm know. talking about the previous practice. They would let the male poultry mature, correct, and then call no, it, No, they kill call it, it right away as soon as it's born, as soon as it's like the size of your a head. chick, and they the kill chick, it? The boy, the boy. Okay, so why? Because it can't produce eggs? Because it can't produce it? eggs. Okay, so this is a practice? All the, all the egg producers do that. And they don't that. do you mainly. They get rid of the male chick right away. Yeah, they say, it's the, it's the, they say it's the most humane or less inhumane, the, the least inhumane way to do it. It's the most, it's, 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 a, it's, a, don't it's they legal the, in Canada, it's legal in the don't U.S. Don't they need the male chick to fertilize the egg or the hen? I don't well, they have it. one rooster. You know, I mean, they're maybe... A, a, oh, so they're killing baby roosters. They're killing baby rooster chicks. I don't know if these are. You see, I'm not. Um, a poultry. I'm maven. not educated yeah. in that area. Really. Okay, there's another invite to call us up and assist us here. Veterinarians, people in the know, assist us. So, Nancy, these male chicks are not baby roosters or chick roosters. No, they're not uh, chick roosters. But I'm going to look it up because it's a good question. It's something I need to know. Uh, Thank you. So I'm, I'm going to continue with this uh, animal ch- chick, uh, chicken stuff and egg stuff uh, next show. But soon we're going to have A.G. Albrecht done. She's the general counsel. I think she's also a policy advisor with Mercy for Animals. And I like to tell this little story here before we give her a ring and we put her on. Um, here, it, I'm, I'm just making sure that we have her phone number here on the screen. So, listen very very carefully, all you folks, Um, especially you folks in Indiana. Fair Oaks Farms is an agricultural tourist destination, and it features educational tours where people can learn about farm animals, um, and uh, it marks itself as a very wholesome and family-oriented dairy farm. It hosts school field trips where kids can go and see modern farming, responsible animal care. So they're they're kind of the Disneyland of dairy farms. Um, But I think around June this year, an undercover video shot in barns far from the tourist areas. uh, It was actually the video tip was released on June 5 of this year, and it shows employees dragging punching, kicking, pushing, and slamming to the ground newborn calves that did not nurse. They did that to punish the calves because they weren't nursing from the artificial rubber nipple during the feeding process. They don't nurse with their mother. They're given artificial rubber nipples. So they would punish them for not engaging in the process? So, yeah. So the calves were deprived of nutrition. Um, But that's sick in and of itself. But can you train like a dog, a calf? Right, exactly. Can out. you train a calf to do something like you can a dog, reward them with treats, and you train a calf? They're just born. You can't, they don't even know who, who so they why, are. So why punish if you can't behavior because, modify, because they're, let alone these that it's are, they're These are evil people. Right. They, they stabbed, they hit the calves with steel rebars, they burned them with branding irons. It's on videotape. That's why AJ's going to come, and we're going to talk about ag-ag laws in a few wow. minutes. Um, so they, they would sit on the calves, um, too much weight for the, for these animals to bear. I mean, they're little calves, um, and the transportation of these calves was violent. In the video, the employees are seen throwing calves into the trailer, forcefully pushing them in. So these are three employees. The first one, Edgar Gardozo Vasquez, Edgar Gardozo Vasquez, 36, was arrested on June 12 in connection with this case, and he's being held with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement people. He's That's, on hold. What city in town? You said Indiana? This is Fairox, Indiana. You said Newton Indiana. County. Yeah, wow. Newton County, okay? He's being held with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement people. He was found, 36. Edgar Gardozo Vasquez. Um, they're still looking. I don't, know, I, I don't know if they found these other two, but they're still looking for the, the one of the other employees who did this. Um Miguel Angel Navarro Serrano, 38. And the other one is Santiago Ruvalcaba Contreros, 31. 
Obviously, they've been fired by the company, but that's not good enough for me. Um, so we're going to be calling um, AJ right now. We're going to be talking about AGAG laws. And the, the and AGAG laws, basically, these are laws um, th- th- made to keep this important for information that I just gave you from you. So that's what uh, they're about. Um, because they don't want normal people, good people like us, to find out what uh, these farms do. Oh, and by the way, uh, um, the Jewel, I have to say, though, that um, uh, Jewel, Jewel, because of this videotape, Jewel Osco, which is the largest grocery chain in the Chicago area, announced that they would drop the dairy's products, and the, their, their products that sold under the Fair Fair uh, Life name. That's hmm. the name of the dairy products that wow. are produced at that farm. Good for them. And thousands of consumers expressed their outrage over the abuse on social media. So... Because this footage, this video was published, people found out about it, it was on the news, the company now is losing a lot of money. And that's that's how you shut them down. That's how you stop them from doing or that's this. that's how you get them to correct by, their by, behavior. By hurting them financially, really seriously We don't necessarily want to shut them all down. We want their behavior corrected, correct? Well, the bad ones can be shut down, okay. and the transparent ones who have nothing to hide can stay open, and you can get your milk from, from friendly, go. happy... Amen. Yeah. Farms that care about their animals. Okay, so let's give a ring to AJ here. I'm all hyped up here. I'm all <laughs> so deep breath. Dale, can I can I call AJ now? I don't see why not. Okay, so let's do this. Maybe we can have a drum roll. Hi, this is AJ. Hi, AJ. This is Nancy from Animal News Magazine. I'm here with William Mayoff. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Um, Hi, thanks so much for having me. Hi course. there. Welcome. William here as well. Welcome. So, um, Hi, William. Before we, uh, I told our audience, our listeners, that we're going to be talking about ag-ag laws today. But before we do that, can you tell us who you are, who you're with, what you do, a little bit about yourself, some background? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, my name is AJ Albrecht. I am the Senior Policy Advisor and Counsel for Mercy for Animals, which means that I cover our U.S. policy initiatives, legislation, and policies impacting Mercy for Animals' mission, which is to create a more compassionate food system. And we do that by protecting animals that are raised for food and trying to reduce their suffering and by endorsing plant-based initiatives to encourage people to eat plant-based diets. Uh, We're a global organization uh, headquartered in Los Angeles. No way. You're headquartered in Los Angeles. What a coincidence. Every word you just said, there was such a seriousness in my attention. And I salute you and Nancy and people who have the you-know-what to go ahead and try to make changes for these animals. No, really, I'm so passionate about it. Previously, I was, eh, I don't know, whatever, cats, dogs, cute. I've been a veggie for a long time. But to go out there and wear it on your forehead and, and to champion this, and it, I think it's fantastic. I give all you guys credit. Seriously, Nancy, you do. Excuse me for going off here a little bit. And now this wave, and they got, we're going to deviate just a little bit, but, but this wave of these burgers and beyond and impossible and everyone... You know, it's taken hold. We're getting somewhere. This revolution, this peaceful animal revolution is, is, is bearing fruits. True? I agree. I think it's a really exciting time to be a person who loves animals and a person who eats a plant-based diet. Um, you're probably aware that right there in Los Angeles, there's a motion that's already cleared one committee that would require vegan options in even more Los Angeles um places like movie theaters and um, musical theaters and LAX and the zoo. So it is, it is happening and we're seeing it not just on a consumer level, like you mentioned, which is very exciting and delicious, um, but also at the legislative and policy level, which is very, very exciting. So AJ, uh, can I ask you what AJ stands for? Sure. It stands for Andrea Joy, okay. which I have never gone by. Okay. So then we'll never say it again. Right. Um, <laughs> can, can we talk a little bit about um, what ag-gag laws, what they are, um, what states have them, the whole the whole idea behind these ag-gag laws? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So ag-gag is a term that refers to laws that silence 
or punish whistleblowers for revealing animal abuses in animal agriculture. So under this type of law, it's the whistleblower, not the actual animal abuser that is punished for sharing the truth about how animals who are being raised for food are treated. Um, it's important to note that not all ag-gag laws are the same. Uh, some of them carry civil liability, others carry criminal liability, and they all differ as to what exactly they prohibit. But Mercy for Animals believes that any law that hinders an undercover investigator's ability to reveal abuse is an ag-gag law. So with that in mind, Alabama, Arkansas, Kansas, North Dakota, Montana, Missouri, and Iowa all have some form of ag-gag on the books right now. Hmm. And I can give you an example of how different they can be and how uh, different their impacts can be. Um, for example, the Missouri law mandates that evidence of animal abuse must be turned over to law enforcement within 24 hours. And on its face, that seems like a quick reporting type law, which could be a good thing. But really what it does is it prevents the collection of the evidence that's needed to show patterns of abuse or neglect or abandonment. And as a result, it makes it very difficult for a prosecutor, um, an attorney to prosecute the abusers. So we consider that to be an ag-gag law. We call that a quick reporting law. On the flip side, a more traditional ag-gag law would be that like Montana's. Um, Montana's criminalizes entering an animal facility with the intent to take pictures by photograph, video camera, or any other way with the intent to commit criminal defamation. So that would be your more traditional uh, gag law. But again, Mercy for Animals does consider both of those to be ag gag, which is a term that um, animal advocates came up with uh, quite some time ago when these first started being introduced. AJ, let me let me just get something a little bit more tangible here. The first instance you mentioned, okay, before Montana, you said it has to go to law enforcement. Seems a bit of a sham. They stop it there. One would think that law enforcement, after they deliver this information of the malfeasance, the torture, the abuse of the animals, they would share it with prosecutors, but you're saying they don't do that. They they hide it, whatever it is, and, and, and it we can't assemble the uh, the evidence to give to process. There is no freeway. There's no cooperation. Is that what you're suggesting? It's kind of sabotage. No, 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 not necessarily. It's it's not the burden of the law enforcement officer. The problem is that the way many of these animal agriculture abuse statutes are written are in order to show that it rises to the level of that abuse. You have to show a pattern. So just one instance is usually not enough. And that's in large part because almost every state, 42 out of 50 states, have some sort of exemption for livestock or animals raised for food in their statutes. So it has to be a pattern to rise to a very high standard. So how do you correct so, that? How do you correct that? There are, are there patterns in reality happening and we just can't capture all that evidence? What's the problem with that? It's difficult to show, yes, there are patterns happening. It's difficult to show that pattern when you're requiring an undercover investigator to essentially record something and then hand it over within 24 hours because generally our undercover investigators go in for weeks or even months in order to gather as much evidence as is needed so that we can prosecute these are, cases. So are you saying if it's not turned over to law enforcement within 24 hours, it's not admissible in, 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 a, in a prosecutorial uh, uh, you know, uh, arena? Is that what you're telling me? If it's not turned over to law enforcement, you, you, you the prosecutor can't, can't use that as evidence. Now, is that what you're saying, AJ? In the Missouri law, yes. It's that's a quick insane. reporting law. That's, that's obviously they're thwarting the intent of what we want to do here. And you can get you can get pattern evidence here, and if it's not turned over... That's just nuts. But how do they know that the person went in there with the intent of videotaping? Maybe they really needed a job, and uh, they found these, uh, you know, these these violations, these uh, bad practices, and decided to videotape. And plus, defamation and libel. The truth is a defense. If there's evidence, I mean, how do how do they how do That's... they prove intent or defamation? It seems to me. Um, 
It, I'm still can't. not. That's valid. I'm still not getting the first part. So even if you don't comply with the 24-hour turnover, the evidence thing in Missouri, AJ. Okay. So can't the undercover mm-hmm. person, undercover entity or person, keep recording? You know, repeated patterns and all that. Get that pattern package then, and then go ahead and work up a prosecutorial argument. You follow what I'm saying? Well, in some states you can do that. I this do is just follow. Missouri. Oh, you know, I was just going to say, I do certainly follow what you're saying, but having this law on the books creates a tremendous chilling effect for doing any sort of undercover investigation in Missouri. And that's exactly what the agricultural community wants. They don't want there to be abuse revealed. And that's exactly what these ag gag laws do is they help hide animal abuse. So was the Missouri Um, law challenged constitutionally? Yes, these laws have been challenged. Um, Courts in Wyoming, Utah, and Idaho have all struck down ag-gag laws as unconstitutional. Um, Unfortunately, in Iowa, they did as well, but then almost immediately after that law was found unconstitutional, the legislature passed a new one that's, in my opinion and in other advocates' opinions, substantively the same. Mm. Uh, So we do believe that there will be another challenge. In fact, there's ongoing litigation in that state again, as well as in Arkansas, Kansas, and North Carolina, challenging these laws. So, so these ag-ag laws, if I'm following, I want to follow along here, they, they, they're designed to expose a whistleblower and not protect him or her, correct? That's correct. They're designed to chill it. They're just That's disgusting. Not to prosecute them civilly or criminally. Yeah, and we want to preserve a whistleblower because these are the folks who risk themselves Everything. to uncover the abuses, correct? We want to protect these whistleblowers, obviously, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. That's right. I can say, speaking from the perspective of Mercy for Animals, which was really founded on this whole idea of investigations are needed in order to show the horrific way that animals are treated in agriculture, um, it makes these laws make it more and more difficult for us to do our work in these states. Um, And it's also important to point out that it's not just animal organizations that have a problem with these laws. As you can imagine, it raises a huge freedom of expression and First Amendment consideration. So you have groups ranging from the ACLU to veterinary associations, Human Human Rights Watch, um, National Consumers League. I mean, the list goes on and on of these groups that oppose these, and many of them have nothing to do with animals. Well, I, I want to say two things. First yeah. of all, it could, if, if this were found to be constitutional, it could bleed into hospitals, uh, convalescent centers. I mean, it would, they would not really necessarily have to restrict it only to, to uh, animal agriculture. But um, can you explain a little bit the, the, the unconstitutionality of these yeah, That's laws? right. I don't not understand the First Amendment connection uh, can you, in a nutshell, explain the, what they're talking about, freedom of expression and all the, how the First Amendment plays a part in any of this, please? Yeah, so I will say that I have not been involved in the lawsuits, um, as I am more of a lobbyist than an attorney at this point in my practice. Okay. Um, but I will say that these are constitutional challenges, hinging, hinging excuse me, hinging upon the First Amendment. Um, and it's the Animal Legal Defense Fund that's really uh, t- taking up the torch on most of these lawsuits. Um, and they are challenging the constitutionality of these various ag-gag laws in that they prohibit undercover investigations and someone's right to to record something. Um, and it differs from challenge to challenge because some of these states require that both parties have to consent before something's recorded, whereas other states only require one side to consent. So as you can imagine, each of these lawsuits um, is fairly complex and varies as to what exactly they're challenging. So so basically it would be um, you're being, uh, your freedom of expression is being stifled, I would say. That's basically what I think the Supreme Court is trying to say. Because if you have a, a videotape, it's like a document, and you're publishing it. William is nodding his head. He's not getting it. But I think uh, that's what it is. No, I, I just, you know, I understand when you call up a business and all that, you know, you agree we're taping this for quality control and all that. California is very protective of, of disclosure and consent. But that's such a, a, an abuse and a bastardization of this. that The higher goal is to expose, right, 
offending parties who are beating the crap out of calves or chickens or animals, the welfare of the animal. Do you see, do you see what I'm saying? And, and, and it, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't understand, and I'm a lawyer too, and I don't understand what the ACLU and all these folks are coming in. I understand if you want to protect the homeless or equal protection and then this and that, but the ultimate goal here is is you know to protect against animal abuse you, you see what I'm, I'm just, it's not connecting for me here. so let's talk a little bit about the um let's say that the, the, that you know i know mercy for animals does a lot of undercover work very good stuff and you finally get some and you and you have in the past your your organization has in the past um you know allowed published you know valid uh noteworthy uh, undercover videos. So these companies, they fire... So the what happens to the employees who actually do this? So do you have a record or um, an idea of they go to jail? Do they get fined? What happens to these people? Mm-hmm. Do they get a little slap on the hand? So I can give you a really good example, actually, of a pending investigation, or excuse me, a pending case that came about as a result of one of our investigations in Canada. Um, and that was in British Columbia. We did an investigation back in 2017. And as a result of uh, what was uncovered in that investigation, and it, it can still be seen on our website, mercyforanimals.org backslash investigations. You can see all of the ones that we've done. Um, But as a result of that investigation, there's now now a pending case out of Chilliwack that has led to 38 charges being filed, not just against the farm, but also against the company's owner and the parent company, which is called Safina Foods. So this is an example of these charges may have never been filed if it weren't for this undercover investigation because it showed horrific things. I mean, it was a chicken farm. The chickens were being kicked, stomped on, sexually abused, and having limbs torn off. And that's why we need to protect these undercover investigators. And this was a, a long. This wasn't a one day, a twenty four hour video. This was this was undercover investigation that that you had enough evidence to get uh, not only the employees but uh the, the the company and the uh the owners of the company uh charged right so that's, that's right yeah that's so, right so it wasn't columbia, just going in one day so it's kudos to british columbia because there's it, british columbia doesn't have these uh, ag ag laws and doesn't make it difficult for to do the right thing to have undercover I don't evidence think canada developed. has ag ag laws at it's all wonderful. i don't know but i mean maybe it's just a matter of time i don't know but um I was going to ask another question, and I and I, I forgot. What? Oh, yeah. Is it? It's, it's. Is this the only? What about the directors of Chilliwack? Were they? Are they also being charged, or is it? Uh, or, or is it? I guess it's a corporation. So, the pow- What powers are there? The shareholders that are being charged with? Uh, with the? I guess it's a felony. Is it a misdemeanor or a felony? What are they being charged with? If at all. In this case, the yeah. In this case, the thirty-eight charges were against the farm which is Elite Farm Services, the company's owner, so personal liability there, an individual person, and the parent company. Um, I'm not aware of there ever being a case where the shareholders were charged, but as to whether it's civil versus criminal, in the United States, that depends on the state. So, for instance, North Carolina's law, which I mentioned was one of the ones currently being challenged and there's litigation going on, that is civil liability. And the liability is, um, I believe it's $500 per day or perhaps $5,000 per day. Um, I would have to pull it up here as to how many, how frequently the undercover investigator goes in. So as you can imagine, oh the groups like ours that are doing this, we're oh. nonprofits. Uh, we do our work based on the generosity of folks who believe in our work and our mission. So that's a lot of money, and right. uh, that's just like the quick reporting guide law that we spoke about earlier. Even though it's civil liability, that has a terrible chilling effect. Of um, so instead of the of board of directors, instead of the directors being fined these gazillions of dollars because they know or should know what's going on, it's it's the poor guy who goes in there and tries to do the right thing. Um, did Mercy for Animals, that's where she's from, right? Yes. Did, did you guys play an active part in this uh, very successful uh, you know, prosecution and pursuit in British Columbia? Were you guys instrumental in doing this? 
That was our undercover investigation. Yes, it was our video. It was our very brave undercover investigator who went in and documented lots and lots of footage of horrific abuse. You are saints. um, Saints. That's why there's joy in your name. Okay, you were saying. <laughs> well, I am not an undercover investigator, well, see, and I take my hat off time oh, and time yeah. again to those folks. They are so do I. They're, they're incredible and a huge part of our movement. And they're risking a lot. And they, they are got, heroes. They That's got what major, they are. you know what. Uh, can you please go ahead and give us your uh, your webpage there? And, and, and it's mercyforanimals.org, right? That's right. Yeah, mercyforanimals.org. We just celebrated our 20-year anniversary. Beautiful. Uh, we came from very humble yet, in my opinion, very inspiring beginnings out of Ohio, um, kind of based off of uh, an undercover investigation, actually. And um, we just continue to do our work and are, are hoping to enact more policies How can we support uh, that them? protect animals. How do we support you, AJ? Send Can money. we buy caps, T-shirts? <laughs> are you, are, money. What's, what's the tax when you want to donate there? 501c3. Are you a 501c3 yes. and all that? Stuff? We are. Yes. yes, we are. We are a 501c3, and we do actually have a, a really great online store. So if you okay. did want to buy some swag like T-shirts or bags or water yes. bottles, yes. Yes, yes. you can absolutely support us that way okay. and wear it proudly, please. Amen, amen. Nancy and I have big smiles here. Yeah, I think producer. the holidays are coming, and I think we're going to do a little bit of that. that. AJ, this is all the time we have. We're so happy you took the time yeah. to talk to us and to explain all this stuff to us. And um, I think I'd like to have you back on the show. This is really good stuff. Thank you very, very much. Mercyforanimals.org. The holidays are coming. Invite her. We we want her back. Yeah, we want her back. We want you back, AJ. Yes, and go shopping for the holidays. (laughs) The holidays are (laughs) coming. To their store, Mercy for Animals. But but send send money too. Money works. Money's good. Thank you very much, AJ. Have a great rest of the day. Thank Thank you both so much. Have a great day. Take care. You too. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so we're going over time here. Thank you, people, very much for listening. As you know, we're here, except for next Sunday, we're going to be in Halifax. We're here every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Thank you, AJ. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for spending time with us. And William, last two words. Be the, you person, want to say. be the person your dog thinks you are. Ciao, everybody. Bye-bye, folks. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio.